Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur. We talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success, helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand. I'm your host, LZ, the mayor. Now let's get to it. All right, Enterprisers, I am here with Dave Valentine, founder of Dream Quest Agency, and I'm super excited because selfishly, as an agency owner myself, I am chomping at the bit to pick Dave's brain about what I need to do better in order to scale and grow my agency. But before we get into any of the good stuff, Dave, can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. So tell us about yourself before we hit record. Give me the two minute version. You were telling me how you're kind of good at this whole business thing. You've bought, you sold a couple of businesses, built a couple of businesses up. How did we get here? Yeah. I mean, as a young kid, I was an entrepreneur, you know, and at the age of three, I sold a painting to one of my grandparents' friends for $40, which was a lot of money back in the eighties. And I started my first grown up business when I was 25. It was a digital advertising agency. I had no idea what I was doing, man, and really kind of messed that up for the most part. I grew it to seven figures by the time I turned 29, but my wife said, hey, you're 29, maybe you should go to the doc, get some you know, blood work done, have some tests run. So I did and came back a week after that, sp- sat down with my doctor and he said, hey, Dave, how do you know that you're going to have a heart attack? And I was like, I don't understand that question, doc. And he goes, you don't know, you just have one. He said, you're the most stressed out person we've ever tested. We've tested 4,500 people. And if you don't change how you're running your business and your life, then you're not going to see 40. So I, here I was, I had this seven figure agency, which most people don't know that only 3% of digital agencies ever reach a million plus in revenue and only 7% of businesses in total, according to the SBA ever hit the seven figure threshold. So I was successful by every empirical metric that I could find and it was killing me. So I had to find new ways to do business. And in that process, LZ, I figured out a way to do lead generation sales and operations that allowed me to scale that first agency, sell it in the summer of 2019. And since then I've started or acquired Uh, seven different companies. So right now uh, I own a portion or entirety entirety of seven different companies. Three of them are ad agencies, two of them are SaaS products. One is the Dream Agency Quest, which I'm excited to talk with you about, brother. And the the last one is I own a flight school with my brother, which is crazy and fun, but 
that's a little bit about what I've got going on on a regular basis. <laughs> wow. I don't even know where to start with you, Dave. Let's start here. Give me those fa facts and figures again. You said, just for the folks who like to take notes, the percentage of agencies that reach six figures and the percentage that re reach seven figures. So it's only the agencies that reach seven figures is only three. So, so imagine you're an agency owner right now, only 3% of agencies ever cross the million dollar mark in a year. So like, that's just crazy because most people think, well, that's easy for me to hit. It's not, you're really exceptional. And so when you've done it, like I've done it four times now, it's like, okay, I, I kind of have something figured out with that. And I've helped other agency owners do the same. And then 7%. So no matter what business you're in, if you're listening to this, 7% of businesses in total make it across the million dollar mark in a year ever. And so when you think about it and you're like, well, I'm not successful. It's kind of like those, I'm sure you've probably seen these men, like some of those TikToks where they're asking, I think it's mostly women. I haven't seen the, them do this with guys yet, but they're like, how much does the average, you know, 30 year old man make? And their numbers are like 150,000, 400,000. Like it's all these crazy numbers. And they're like, no, the average 30 year old male makes $52,000 a year. And it just shocks people. They can't believe that that's the reality. And so uh, I've had that experience with friends and family as well. I had a, a family member come to me and he said, dude, I just want a simple life. I just want to make like $120,000 a year. And I go, hey, bro, you're under the age of 40. If you make $120,000 a year, you're in the top 6% of income earners in your space. He's like, no way. And I'm like, oh yeah, dude, it's not normal. So it's interesting, man, the perspectives that we have as business owners <clears throat> think everybody's doing a million dollars, everybody's doing more than me. And the reality is most people are just in the exact same spot as you. Yeah, let's uh, backtrack a little bit. I wanna talk about being 29, stressed out, you're running this seven-figure agency because the, the marketing that I see all the time, and I've done a couple of LinkedIn posts about this. It's like, I can help you scale your business to six figures, and that was popular for a while, and now it's seven figures, and now I'm seeing more and more people talking about eight figures. We can help you scale to eight figures. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. Talk a little bit about what were some of those stressors, right? Why was it so yeah. stressful? Yeah, a few things. One was we didn't have a reliable lead generation source. We were doing all, all of our sales for the most part were through referral. And it wasn't for lack of trying. You know, we were doing Facebook and Instagram ads. We were doing Google ads. We were writing content. We were recording podcasts. We were doing all sorts of stuff to generate leads. But the thing that I didn't realize at that moment was that's not sustainable to go to five networking events a week, even in the 13th most popular city in the country, Fort Worth, Texas, I knew everybody, you know, like I knew the players in town, they knew me, that was fine. And I could go do some other networking events as well, but it was not gonna be anything crazy, right? And so long story short, man, I was networking my way to that million dollar in revenue business and it just wasn't sustainable. So that's number one. The second thing was I kept saying things like, and it's funny, I posted this on TikTok over the weekend, but I was talking about, you know, if you don't have SOPs, standard operating procedures for your team to follow, it doesn't matter if you're a really great practitioner. I am and was a very good digital advertising person. I knew how to target, write copy, put together creative. And this was before they had a lot of just automated targeting that's pretty savvy now. 
So I could do it, but I could never train someone else to do it. And so I always found myself going behind the people that I hired to do that work and doing it for them. So the combination of those two was really, really taxing. And it led to just an absolute implosion internally for what we were able to accomplish. And so that's really what I had to start figuring out, man, was like, how do I actually simplify what I'm doing so that anyone on my staff can do it? And then number two is like, how am I going to generate leads on an every week, every day basis so that I can get where I want to go? Talk a little bit about the SOP perspective, because I found over the years in, in this whole game of business, ego sometimes plays a role in that, right? You know, we think that nobody can do it as good as me and I have to be the one that does that does the thing. Talk about that, that maturation process when you realize that or just walk through your mindset and how you implemented that and how you got rid of that me-ism, as I like to call it. I had a mentor say to me, hey, if you can't take two weeks off from your business and the business grows, you don't have a business. You have 15 bosses that you call clients, right? So it actually, to your point, brother, it took someone bruising my ego to help me get out of my ego, you know, and going, no, man, I actually want to have a business and not a glorified freelancing gig, which is what most agency owners do. Like that's just straight up. Most of the agency owners I talk to, they started out as freelancers. They got too much work and then they started hiring people and they don't know how to do this. So with the SOPs, I just had to have the mindset shift of, I have to teach someone and I need to teach them in such a way that I don't have to do this. So it's a big lift when you first do it. I mean, gargantuan, it feels Herculean, right? But once you get it done, man, like you then have something that's so, so valuable. And when you go to sell, because most agency owners don't think about this, they're like, I'm just trying to survive. I just got to make it to next week. I just got to make it to tomorrow you're going to have a point in time where you want to sell this thing. And if you codify what you have into a standard operating procedure, you have it written down, you have a video of it. You know, I love to use looms for the videos and then get the transcription and then put that into an SOP step-by-step. What ends up happening is it increases the valuation of your agency exponentially. So people look at that and they go, ah, Elsie, man, you made something that anyone can run and it's not you specific. That's valuable. I can now buy that and see the value and reap the benefits and the rewards from that instantly versus this is all about you. How am I going to be able to manage the brand after you're gone? And I've had friends that have sold when the brand is built around them, but it comes with a big, but they are then on staff for the next three years, at least because the brand's all about them. So it's just really figuring out like, what do you want out of your business? What do you want out of your agency? And you want to have those SOPs so you can take vacation. <laughs> Absolutely. Talk about focus, clarity, and intention. I don't know which school of thought you're from, the generalist school of thought or the specialist school of thought. So give me a sense of which school you're in and give me some background context on why you are in that said school. Yeah. So my first agency, when we first started out, we were everything to everyone. If you had a pulse, you had a checkbook 
and the checks cashed, we would do it. And so it was like that thing where someone would be like, hey, do you guys do websites? I'm like, yeah, we will next week. Uh, yeah, hey, do you guys do, you know, blog content? Blog content? I'm like, yeah, we will. We're going to start on Monday. You know, like, and it was just that thing of, man, we are doing so much. Well, guess what? It's really hard to have standard operating procedures when you're providing 20 services. And it's really hard to do it at an exceptionally high level. So all of my companies now do one or two things, right? And there are challenges to that. I'm not going to lie, but you can actually scale that. So if you're like, hey, I really want to get to seven figures plus, my recommendation is you have a singular or maybe two services. And the reason why I say that is that's easy for you to monitor. That's easy to scale. And it's easy to get it kind of going in the right direction versus, you know, if you're going to do the generalist routes, which is what huge, enormous agencies do, you have to have plenty of staff members. So my recommendation is if you're going to add a service, you have to add a staff member. Okay. So if you're like, man, I really want to do, uh, you know, if I'm running social advertising and now I want to do organic social, great. Can you afford to hire someone to do that? The answer is no, don't do it. <laughs> the answer is yes, go for it. Right. But I, I love to niche down into a service. The other thing that I'd say here too, brother, is if you do want to be that generalist, niche down into an industry so that you can say, hey, I'm the marketing agency that serves craft breweries. Like that's all that I do. That's my gig. That's who we work with. Or you say, Hey, we're whatever. So that's my school of thought, at least. I love that. I love that. That's a little bit different than I've heard in the past, where if you are going to niche down and or be a generalist, kind of take the industry approach. That's interesting. So what about I've come to the school of thought where I'm going to niche down, I'm going to do one thing, I'm going to do it really, really great. But then I look it out into the marketplace and these other companies they're doing all these other things and they're getting clients and it seems like I'm not getting clients. How do you overcome that, that, um, in some respect fear of missing out or how do you stay focused when that is in a lot of ways, the best way to scale, at least at first. Yeah. You have to believe in your service, right? That, I mean, that's it. If you believe that you've got a great service and that you're providing great value and you're like, well, I could be doing this because I see, so-and-so is doing that. Don't, don't worry yourself what anybody else is doing. What are you trying to do? And realizing that the most wealthy people that I've, I've shook hands and had conversations and drinks with people that are worth billions and hundreds of millions and tens of millions. And the vast difference between them and people that are running companies that are doing hundreds of thousands is focus and saying no. Really, really wealthy people say no all the time. They know that there are lots of great ideas out there. They know that there are plenty of opportunities and they realize this is not for me. That's a great idea for someone else though. Like it's a great idea for someone else. So understanding that not everything is something that you should do is really the idea. And once you have that sort of focus and clarity about who you are, what you're trying to do in your life, it reaps rewards very quickly. Yeah, I totally agree. So much so I wrote a book about it. We talk uh, a lot about self-awareness, uh, right? Self-mastery, yeah. understanding who you are, what you are, why you are. But more importantly, almost is what you are not, why you are not, right? right? And to your point, so that you know what you should say yes to and you know what you can say uh, no to. Dream agency 
Quest. Talk about that. What is that service and why is it so cool? <laughs> yeah, so I, um, after I sold my first agency, I had a lot of people that were like, dude, how did you do that? You know, I mean, because that's, that's what people want to do. And in 2020, I started consulting with agency owners and I started to see, they would see immediate success, you know, so they would go from making $10,000 a month to $25,000 a month in 45 days, just because I was like, hey, here's how you do lead gen, here's how you set up the systems, here's how you take sales calls. And it's so rewarding to see other people be successful when they're using your playbook, you know, like it's just, it's one of my greatest joys, man. So over the course of 2020, we're seeing success into 2021. I'm continuing to consult with agencies. We're seeing success. I've got my own agencies that are growing. And so I ran this little beta group and said, okay, what could we do if we took all these ideas that I talk about in individual conversations that isn't cheap and we just made it into e-courses and mastermind like groups and I was available via Marco Polo app to all these people. What would happen then? And it was really at the request of a lot of my clients. They're like, you got to give this to more agency owners. They need to know about this stuff. Okay. So what we do with Dream Agency Quest is we say, look, you can kind of do one of two ways to do the program. One version of the program is you work with us on a yearly basis and we help you grow scale and grow and scale your agency. Lots of community building. We do summits. Like it's fun and it's educational. The other version is someone decides that they want to grow, scale, and then sell their agency. Now, that is a three-year commitment. And what we commit to them is we're going to double the value of their agency in that three-year time, or we'll give them every penny back. The cool thing is you can sell your agency in two ways. One way is you can sell it to another person, uh, somebody that's doing like a roll up and I have lots of contacts for that. And you don't pay me a dime for that. If you're in the program, I just send you over and help you say like, Hey, this is what they're going to ask for. This is what they're going to look for. And I help you prep for it. Like a broker would, except I don't take a broker fee. <laughs> but the other thing that you can do is you can sell it to yourself, right? So if you sell it to yourself, you got to think about what's the person that's purchasing my agency. What are they going to do? And it's incorrect to think that they're going to be in the, the agency every day on a day-to-day -day basis. They're not going to do that. They're going to check in on the agency. They may work in the agency two to eight hours a week at most. This is what I do with my agencies. I only work at my agencies two to four hours a week. That's it. The rest of the time I'm doing other stuff. So if you sold it to yourself, imagine making $200,000, $300,000 a year, but not having to work that much. How would that feel? And people go, man, that sounds pretty great. So the Dream Agency Quest is really giving people, giving agency owners the tools, the keys to the kingdom. It's exactly how I've grown the three agencies that I own right now to seven figures. And it's giving that to other people so that they can find success because there's an infinite amount of resources in the world, man. And if we think about it, that it's finite, we're mistaken. There's tons of clients. There's plenty of opportunity. And so it's really just putting it out there for people to go and use on their own. So obviously, Dave, I don't want you to give away the farm here, but what is the one thing that you can share with the enterprisers that we can action and implement in our businesses tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. So this is hot off the presses. I haven't talked about this with anyone. We just created a new program at Avidel, which is one of the agencies that I own. 
And one of the things that's transpired over the past three years is that appointment setting SDR work has become very flooded. I mean, exceptionally flooded. People's inboxes are full with emails that are people cold calling them. And that's fine, except that it's no longer working in the ways that it used to work. So now we need a new model. And this is a model that we've been using for over a year now to get clients. And we're launching this as a program. So it's called one-to-one marketing. It's the idea of building a relationship with someone because they're your perfect customer and you're keenly acutely aware that they are someone that you can help and someone that's going to pay you a lot of money. Okay. So here's what I mean by that. When you go do this one-to-one marketing, it's not sending them a cold email to get started. It's going and finding them on social media. Are they on Twitter? Are they on Instagram? Are they on Facebook? Where are they? And starting to follow them and engage with their content, not just liking it, but commenting, giving them thoughtful comments, finding articles that you think are relevant to their company, their brand, whoever they are, and sending it to them. And even engaging with some of their content that has nothing to do with their professional life. That's some of my favorite, by the way, because people love that, man. So like, I'll, I'll tell you a story about how I did this with a client and it'll make sense to you, okay? I had this this company that I really wanted to work with. I started following the head of marketing and I followed the CEO and I started to engage with their LinkedIn content. Then I found them on Twitter and I started the CMO. I found the CMO on Twitter and I started to engage with him there. I figured out that he was going to be the point of contact that I really needed to get a hold of and be on his radar. So I sent him a DM because he followed me back on Twitter after I engaged with him a bunch. I said, hey man, I would love to send you a gift in the mail. I'm not trying to be weird or creepy, but like, I'd love to work with you. I know I can help you. I'd love to send you a gift. As I'd been looking at his Twitter, I figured out he's a big soccer fan. Couldn't tell if he had a team, but I knew that he lived in Denver. So I assumed he's probably a U.S. men's national team fan. I found a Christian Pulisic signed mini ball. I'm a huge soccer fan, by the way. So like this worked out great. And it cost 180 bucks, but I sent it to his house. Three weeks went by. I didn't hear anything. I sent him an email because I always had his email the whole time. I paid for the database to get it, right? And I said, hey, Matt, did you get the soccer ball I sent you? And he goes, oh, my gosh, Dave, I did. I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. Dude, I got to set up a meeting with you and our CEO. I get on the call with them, close the deal. It was a $100,000 deal just from interacting, being a human being, being kind. So one-on-one marketing is where we're going because with AI, with all the automations, we're having a snapback. We're going, wait a minute. I don't want that. I want someone to see me. I want someone to recognize who I am as a person. And I want something that's more personal. So leveraging this one-on-one marketing, it's the new thing that we're doing at Avidel. And it's incredibly powerful because it's more than just reaching out to them on social, reaching out to them on LinkedIn and email. It's also being thoughtful about gift giving. It's being thoughtful about comments. And so it's an entire program that honestly, anyone can go execute and dedicate one day a week to doing it themselves, or you can go hire someone to do it for you, but it changes the ball game for the nature of the clients that you pick up and your longevity with them. Because then what do they say? They're like, man, I just like Elsie. I just like him. He's such a good dude. 
they stick around longer and they become your best clients. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about AI, the, the elephant in the room these days. I hear what you're saying is it's great. It's an awesome tool, but there's nothing that's going to replace the human element. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, th I think that we've got this idea. We've had it every time that there's a new bit of big technology that comes out. We're like, this is this is it. This is where humanity stops. And, you know, one of the, the ways that I talk about this is people freaked out when they went from gas lamps in cities to electric lamps in cities. Where are all the lamplighters going to work? What are they going to do? And we have this fear all the time that technology is just going to take over and that it's going to leave people without jobs. The reality is, man, AI is going to enhance our ability to be efficient. We're going to be able to get more stuff done quicker. Beautiful. It's going to take some of the things that we require manpower for right now at a high level, and it's going to reduce it. But one of the other things it's going to do, too, is it's going to create another industry of people like when Google came out, hey, how do you do search engine optimization? That's a totally new thing. Well, now we're going to have stuff like that where it's like, hey, how do you use AI? Like, because it's only as good as the person who's leveraging the software. And so that's the real deal here is it's going to create a new industry of people that are leveraging AI in intelligent ways. And that's fantastic. It's going to create a lot of jobs that do not exist currently. And so, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to replace humanity. <laughs> and we're going to find new jobs and it will be tremendously helpful. Talk a little bit more about the one-to-one -one marketing a little bit. Um, again, obviously, I don't want you to give away the farm, but... Um... I'll give it all away, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so give us some framework, uh, right? So I, I'm, I'm listening to this, watching this, and I want to implement one-to-one -one marketing, what, what is the first thing that I should do? First thing you should do is sit down and to your point about knowing yourself, really ask yourself, what kind of client would be your dream clients? Okay. And don't just go Apple, Amazon, Southwest Airlines. Those may be it, by the way, but take the time to think through what does a dream client look like? What do they smell like? Who are they? What do they do? What do they sell? I have a, an agency that's been a client. She had to take a pause because she had some weird stuff going on in her personal life, but she's coming back. She loves to work with B Corps. So her dream client are large B Corps. Like there's one that she really likes and that I do too. It's called Alafia and it's based out of Olympia, Washington. And they do like a hundred million dollars a year in revenue. They're in Whole Foods, but they work in a B Corp sense. The work that they do is amazing. Well, if you start to go, okay, well, Alapia is that kind of client that I want, write them down. Then you can go find other people that are like that. My recommendation, if you're doing this on your own, go find a hundred companies, research who the people you think may not be the right people. Who are the people at those companies that you think you would want to speak with? And then start to create a game plan. How can I find them on LinkedIn? How can I find them on Twitter? How can I find them on Instagram? They may not be on all these platforms, by the way. That's okay. And then start to reach out and be a friend. Like, 
Just be a friend. Go in and have thoughtful comments. Not just a, hey, I really like this post. No, say what you like about that post. What is it about that tweet that you like loved from that chief revenue officer, from the CEO? Why do you love them? You know, maybe that's something you can say. Like, I love what you guys are up to because fill in the blank. And it's fantastic. What will eventually happen is you will start to be on those people's radar. Now, the bigger the company, the lower down you may start. So you may start with like a director of marketing, if you're an agency owner, at Apple or at American Airlines or whatever, right? You may start with somebody that's further down that can then advocate on your behalf at the point in time when they're ready. But what you start to do is just be on their radar. Man, who is this guy who keeps interacting with me? And what are they going to do? They're going to go check you out. They're going to go check out your profile. So make sure your profiles are on point, right? Like you don't just want to have agency owner, you know, soccer lover, whatever. You want to be like, I help people do blah, blah, blah. Right? And so tell them in your bio what it is that you help them do. And my favorite thing is to also have credibility builders in there as well. So I've been an entrepreneur. I've been in Forbes. So I say as seen in entrepreneur and Forbes, and it's in my bio with links to both of them. So now they know, okay, here's what Dave does. Here's where he's been in. He's somebody that can help me. Perfect. And so as you start to do this, you'll figure out like there will be a moment where you get close enough and you're like, I think I can book a meeting with this person and I think I could sell them. And I can just say, hey man, I'm looking to bring on a new client. You guys are like my ideal client. Would you be open to a conversation about this? We don't even have to like sell anything right now. Maybe you're not ready, but like, can we have a meeting to talk about what I do? Nine times out of 10, they say yes. <laughs> because you've been commenting on their posts. You've been engaging with them. They look at you as someone that's a raving fan of them and you are. So that's my recommendation. You brought up an interesting concept before we hit record, this conscious capitalism. What in the yeah. world is that? Yeah, so I have the honor of speaking at a TEDx this Friday in Cleveland. And so I'm sure it'll be out into the world by the time this podcast goes live. But conscious capitalism is the idea that when you go into business, we have to be aware that we're all irreversibly interconnected, right? We're connected to the planet. We're connected to our star, the sun, the moon, the solar system. All of it works in unison. There's this theory called fine tuning. Have you heard of this, Elsie? I have not. All right. So here's the idea. If the Earth's axis was tilted just a quarter of a degree, there would be no life on planet Earth. If the moon was just a little bit further away, no life on planet Earth. I mean, like, there's all these things. The list is long and varied, and it's amazing. So the finiteness, the interconnectedness of our planet with the rest of the universe is really, really important. And that goes down to the basic level of I'm connected to you, and you're connected to me. And we all go through our days just thinking about ourselves. And the reality is when you do conscious capitalism, you go, okay, I'm providing a service or a good. How does it impact my brothers and sisters on this planet? How does it affect the planet itself? And when we start to think in that way, it changes how we engage with making money. It changes how we engage with our staff and it changes how we view 
what we're up to as uh, a group of people. And so conscious capitalism, very simply, is this idea of like, I need to run my business in such a way that it rises the tide for the ships that are next to me. So one of the ways that we do this is no one person at any company that I own ever makes five more than 5x of the lowest paid person. So if I want to take a raise, that's cool. That's great. I got to get the bottom person up so that I can have that raise. And what that does is it creates this community amongst our employees where they go, Dave has a job that I don't want. (laughs) I'm glad that he makes more than me exponentially because I don't want to do what he does. But I also know that I'm not getting fleeced, that I'm still making a lot of money, that I'm being taken care of. And so it's just being thoughtful, conscious, aware of the actions that we take affects other people and it affects the planet. That's very cool. I love that. What are you most excited about that's coming up in the next six months? Man, I am so excited about what we're doing with Dream Agency Quest. It's built for agency owners that are doing six figures. They want to get to seven. I know that you talked about that and that's funny. But really, man, like my goal there is I love people that are in the creative space. Like love, those are my people, you know? And there's something beautiful about creating and then putting it out in the world to see if people will purchase it. And then when they do, it creates economies. And so, so many creatives that I know, man, like they're beautiful. They're so good at their craft and they can't figure out the scale thing because that's a different mentality. So I love to come in and go, I get it. I totally understand. Let me help you. So it's really like just, I love what we're doing with Dream Agency Quest. I love that we're getting to help agency owners grow and scale their agencies to new heights and being less stressed (laughs) and enjoying their life to its fullest. So that's what I'm most excited about. Very cool. If people want to reach out to you, learn more about Dream Agency Quest and all the other fantastic things you have going on, how can they do that? Yeah, then go to Dave at DaveValentine.com. That's my email address or Dave at DaveValentine.co. I apologize. And they can shoot me an email there if they want some more info. They can also go check out DaveValentine.co and see everything about Dream Agency Quest on there, as well as some of the other content that we've got going and all that. So yeah, that's where they can go check me out. Also, I'm very active on social media. Go check me out at RealDVal, R-E-A-L-D-V-A-L. And follow me on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. There got you go. It. So many people that's doing at the real. I'm going to have to do at the the real LZ, the mayor or something like that. So I can fit yeah. in with the cool kids. <laughs> Love it, man. All right, cool. Thanks so much, Dave, for your time. Yeah, likewise, brother. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.